0: Start with this article because this one is longer, people. All right. <laughs> solo poly, love, life, and love from way, way off the so asked you Doing it for myself would make solo polyamory work for me. January twenty-thirteen by Ag. It's this. he says, okay. Earlier today. I was chiming in on a forum thread about rules and polyamorous relationships. As a solo person, which I am, and as a self partnered person, which I am, and as a single person, which I am, I'm all of these things permanently, by the way. Personal autonomy and responsibility are crucial to all aspects of my life, mine too. So I'm averse to being a relationship where partners make hard rules to control and limit each other. That's how I feel, which is a big reason why conventional monogamy doesn't work for me. I feel that way too, but I have developed some pretty important rules for myself. All of my rules for myself stand for my four core values of relationships. One, mutual respect and consideration, how we treat each other, how we see each other. Okay, I agree. That's one of my core values in relationships. Number two, autonomy and self-responsibility. How we each take care of ourselves. That's one of my relationship core values. Number three, integrity. Be honest and walk your talk. That's one of my relationship core values. And four, joy. Because otherwise, what's the point? See, that's another core value in my relationship. So we, he, this person and I have the same relationship for core values. These values feel our relationship goals, mine too. Things that my set of rules collectively seeks to achieve. Maintaining integrity, be the kind of person I want and need to be. Okay, I'm with him on that. I feel that way about me. Managing risk, keep myself safe and my partner safe. Um, I feel that way. Connecting with others in ways that are meaningful, deep, and constructive. I feel that way. Supporting, considering, respecting others. I feel that way. Supporting, considering, respecting myself. I feel that way. And I connect with myself in ways that are meaningful, deep, and constructive. Um, I feel those ways. Um, Feeling satisfied, happy, fulfilled. I feel that way. Personal development continuing to learn and grow. I feel that way. Enhancing my strength and resilience. I feel that way. Maintaining balance and managing stress, pain, and chaos in my life, I feel that way. Before I get into my list of rules, let's explain why I have them. I've learned through experience that they help me be the best person I can be They help ensure that I keep living a life that's good for me without coming at the expense of others, which in turn helps me be there better for others when they need me. They help me figure out when a given situation relationship may or may not be a foolish risk. Every one of these rules is based on my own personal experience with relationships and life, especially as a polyamorous and solo person. Uh, There's a ton of face plants, frustration, heartbreaks, errors, miscommunication, and missed opportunities behind every one of these rules. All of it is very personal relevant to me, where mileage as always may vary. Uh, In the past, these were those things of, you know, frustration, heartbreak, errors, miscommunication, misopportunities, those were part of my life due to trauma. And face plants too. Um, Yeah. Those aren't true in my life anymore, thankfully. The key to these rules is that they apply to me, not to my... Actually, he said, this person says these key rules is that they apply not to my partners. I expect to differ with the writer when it comes to that because my partners and I, we all have the same values. If we didn't, we wouldn't be together. Next. Ultimately, they're about how to make decisions regarding how to pursue conduct relationships. My partners think the same way too. I don't demand that my partners are metamorphosis, but to my standards, do things my way. I would say for me, my partners and I, we think alike, of course, we're our own individual Listed, unique person, so there's differences obviously but you know we don't control each other at the same time. We are of one accord. But I do want them to understand up front how I make decisions about relationships. But that's only fair. Right, right, and they have the same expectations as me. Uh these rules apply whether or not I'm the, you know whether I'm not in a significant relationship. Obviously my significant relationships are casual off-screen on-screen there's adult film acting and they help me make sure when i do start to get to relationships that involve significant investments of emotion times considerations etc and these were, and they help me make sure when i do start to get into relationships that involve significant investments of emotion time with physical considerations etc that by the way, these things are appropriate for my cash as to my future adult film acting. That these connections stand a good chance of being mutually beneficial, not unduly risky or frustrating. So these are my rules only, your mileage may vary. I offer these as an example of the kinds of personal rules and standards that might be useful for anyone. But especially for solo people like me, and especially for solo poly people like me. Aggie's rules for Aggie, one, respect and, ooh, ooh, here we go, Aggie's rules for Aggie, number one, respect and consideration, I don't maintain connections with people who treat me inconsiderately or disrespectfully, or who indicate a clear willingness or propensity to do so, if people do this, i let them know it's a problem, I'll probably give them a couple of chances as long as they're not egregiously rude, but if a bad pattern, intentional or not, emerges in their behavior, I'll distance myself. Similarly, I strive to always respect and consider my partners in metamors. When they tell me what they need, I try to listen, negotiate, and give them what I can, or be honest if I can. I'm the same ways, too. What is a metamor? You're probably wondering, what is that? A metamorph is... It's used in polyamorous context. A... Persons, lover, other lovers. It's a person who is in an intimate romantic or sexual relationship with an intimate partner of yours. Okay. I have metamores. Okay. Sweet. I think I have metamores. (laughs) Nice. So, Aggie's rule number one is also my rule. Okay. Number two, clear communication. I choose not to get very emotionally invested or otherwise deeply involved with people who can't or won't communicate clearly, honestly, forthrightly about their needs, wants, boundaries, feelings, sex, and sexual health, or can't finally listen openly to me when I need to communicate these things. When I ask important questions, I need clear answers, and I'll keep asking so i get that clarity. Wow. Aggie's second rule is my, is, is a rule of mine. Number three, I don't do lukewarm or ambivalent. I only stay sexually, romantically, or emotionally interested in lovers who act like they are attracted to me, who are genuinely attracted to me, by the way, appreciate me and enjoy my company enough to put forth some effort to spend time with me, otherwise connect with me, and who don't appear to be sniffly, conflicted, or ambivalent about their involvement with me. This applies for casual occasions. This applies for casual and occasional connections, as well as deeper ongoing relationships. I don't or want non-stop intense attention, but too much ambivalence, diffidence, or passivity turn me off big time. This also applies to situations where a potential lover can't seem to voice an opinion, make plans, or make a decision without always checking with someone else first for permission ambivalence rooted in a lack of autonomy turns me off as much as ambivalence rooted in a lack of interest or initiative wow aggie's third rule is a rule of mine four safer sex i thoroughly enjoy safer sex with condoms and other techniques as appropriate unbarriered penetrated sex food bonding does not greatly increase my physical pleasure or emotional satisfaction, nor does it denote anything special about my relationships. I found my relationships are simpler, safer, and less drama prone, and I'm consistent with all partners about safer sex. Discussing sexual likes, desires, and health is an important and fun part of the process. Also, when I don't feel I need to surveil or micromanage my partners and their part of the sex lives, that helps us all relax and thus us have better sex. Consequently, I usually choose to use condoms for vaginal and anal intercourse the activities that will represent the greatest risk to me and i communicate with partners to evaluate other risks slash circumstances and adapt as needed in rare cases i may opt to have unburied sex occasionally or regularly with a specific partner wow um whoo could i ever do that Hmm. I gotta think on this one. Because then they... Hmm. You know... If they are incapable of having children, I would have those... Like... If they're past the point of childbearing, like they can't make kids, then yes, I would do that. Only I would never do that on camera because I don't want to make people think that an adult do that, you can't protect yourself. You know, because the public is watching off screen, that's like could I do that with an older, it just depends. You have to be extremely sacked up and me to go, all right, we can, but if the risk is extremely low, like 2.0 transmission, I don't know, that's a tough one because I like that have safe sex. I like to be protected. There's some people that just actually help with that. You know, I'm not saying do the pullout method because, I would never do the pull out method again that when I was younger. And I'm very fortunate not to be a parent. I know for certain I'm not because they all took pregnancy tests and it came out that I, I'm not, they didn't get pregnant by me. They may have gotten pregnant, it's not by me, you know? And could I ever do that with a specific partner? maybe one or two at least to have unburied sex occasionally you know it depends but they have to be past child Cause that's like me trying to sleep with a young adult woman she might have kids or third or fourth they might have kids and i'm just saying to myself oh no but at least two partners everybody else can we wrap up if we're like that cool and your risk is low or responsible, I would think so. I would try my best to have safe sex with all my partners, but you know, if we if you have a partner or two, and you know, we are doing just fine, I mean, as long as you know, we can't make a baby, like, but that's like me having a woman in her 50s, it would be much easier to them, like, okay, you can't get pregnant because you're past the point of pregnancy, according to the system. And that thing kind of norms, so if give an example, or a partner who isn't capable of having children, or I would do that in my gay relationships. With one or two like partners, I'm really, 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 really cool with. And, like, okay, but we still gotta, you know, be safe. I mean, that's a tough one. Because some people are sexually healthy. I would just have to try my best to protect sex on my partner, even on screen. Um, I would try my best to protect sex on screen. I say try because. There's different ways that people protect themselves on screen and some may not use condoms to do that. So, I'm going to do my best to use safe sex um, on screen and off screen all the time. I'm not going to put perfection on myself because, you know, we're attracted to people, you know. Um, we may experience explosion but i'll do my best to say in the moment say hey, we need to have effective ways of protecting ourselves sexually and again i say try because i don't expect perfection out of myself and then when it comes to that so we're going to do the best we can and leaving at that but then he's this person says a rare case to make to have unfair sex case or regularly a specific part of bones we've been using condoms for a while and i'm satisfied that the sti Status slash test engagement character warrant this level of trust. Hey, I, I think that way, you know. Like I was talking about earlier, that's the only ways I could uh, do, you know, have unfair very revenue with my new numbers of people. Try my best, and also if we agree up front that returning to using condoms will not be viewed as Downgrading our emotional intimacy or sexual connection. Partners who require no confidence or to feel emotionally close to me. Or to enjoy sex at all. And not sex is a bad rule. I feel that. So. The fourth rule is a number. The fourth rule. Of Aggies is a rule of mine. Number five. Maintain an autonomy. My autonomy is paramount to me. I always try to take partners in that to more into account and am most influenced by them. But I will not change myself solely to suit them. Nor will I allow others the power to approve, constrain, and veto my decisions, including those involving my relationship to other people. I will not automatically adopt anyone else's problems, tastes, biases, or priorities, fears, or grudges. Nor will I cave in to guilt trips, acting out, manipulation, other similar pressure aimed at changing or controlling. So aggie's fifth rule is a rule of mine number six integrity and responsibility i don't help people cheat again number six integrity and responsibility i don't help people cheat and i don't participate and don't act on tell arrangements if i'm dating someone who has a primary partner or existing significant non-primary non-primary partners i usually want to confirm with us. i usually want to confirm with those existing partners that their relationship is indeed honestly open before things get more involved in a few dates. I prefer to get to know my metamors anyway. Also, I will not lie to a metamor in order to protect a partner. Aggie 6 rules a rule of mine. Number 7, negotiating in goodwill. I expect to always have a full and equal voice in the conduct of my own relationships. When conflicts or quandaries arise that affect my relationship, I am willing and able to negotiate with partners and mentors to find options and solutions. I am willing to be flexible as long as I'm not comprising my integrity, well-being, or economy. In my relationships, no partners or mentors interests should ever trump my own by default. Partners is lovers and Metamores who can't or won't negotiate with me directly into the will aren't willing or able to be flexible and not compatible with me significant relationships or relationship networks. Aggie seven flows number eight, Metamorph relations. If metamores are in the picture, I generally choose to only pursue significant emotional investment in a relationship where I can establish early on a base of trust and direct communication with their other significant partners, my metamores. We don't have to be friends or talk all the time, but in the long run, I'll only be comfortable in that relationship with my metamorphosis and I can interact directly, discuss our relationship network, sometimes to ensure mutual respect and harmony, and do so calmly and with goodwill. And not only during a crisis, if a metamorphosis pulls away from direct communication with me or indicates distrust slash disdain toward me, and that seems unlikely to change. I may choose to scale back my investment slash involvement with our shared partner. Aggie's eighth rule is a rule of mine. Yeah, Aggie's eighth rule is a rule of mine. Number nine, other people's rules slash limits. If a partner in has their own rules, limits or boundaries that will affect me in my relationship I would consider them but I probably won't choose to comply with them quote-unquote as is I expect such rules to explain to me clearly to me up front I need to know not just what those rules are but their intent the goals they are intended to achieve I prefer to get slash stay involved only with partners and metamors who are willing and able to negotiate with me about their rules including honoring my input and understand that mutual respect for relationships is not equal deference on anyone's part where conflicts arise i choose to remain involved only with partners who demonstrate show they're willing and able to stand up for our relationship even in the face of pressure from their other partners aggie's ninth rule is a rule of mine 10. i assume and respect the personal autonomy of others whatever i share whenever wherever however and whatever i share mutually consensual intimacy slash attraction with others, I assume from the start that those people possess sufficient autonomy to behave with me the ways they are behaving. I only need to gain uh, enthusiastic consent from the person I'm involved with. You know, mutually enthusiastically consensual intimacy. I will not second guess their autonomy by asking whether something they've already I will not second guess their autonomy by asking whether something they already enthusiastically consented to is also okay with their other partner or the partners. To me, that would feel like I'm saying, I know you want to do this, but did you ask your mommy? Which is a huge turn off for me since I only want to share intimacy with fellow autonomous adults. I do prefer to occasionally check with metaverse to maintain the health of our shared relationship network. But I'm not obliged to obtain the in order to conduct my relationships. If it turns out that a partner or lover of mine has been concealing, misrepresenting, or ignoring their agreements with the other partner or other partners, I will consider that an indication of poor character and may choose to scale back or end that relationship. Aggie's 10th rule is a rule of mine, number 11. I am out as Paul and I will not step into the closet for anyone. Anyone who hopes to be a significant partner of mine needs to be comfortable with me, not concealing our relationship, or otherwise act ashamed or embarrassed about their relationship with me. I'm willing to negotiate on what's okay to share or mention in which I'm 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 willing to negotiate on what's okay to share or mention in which contexts, but I'll not abide by a blanket gag rule, and I won't remain in relationships where I'm treated like a secret. Similarly, I will not refrain from from mentioning my other partners is simply because one partner is not comfortable with me being polished. Aggies eleventh rule is a rule of mine. number 12, mutually, I'm sorry, number 12, mutuality and fairness. I won't stay in relationships where I end up having to do all the work or planning, make all the decisions, do all the compromising, or take all the initiative. Also, I tend to want to get to know and embrace my partner's world. People who are really only interested in seeing me on their quote-unquote turf who aren't very interested in getting to know and embrace my world as well aren't compatible with me for significant relationships. Aggie's 12 rule of bullet number 13 speaking up speaking up for what i need or want i commit to discussing promptly with my partners loves and animals what i need want and don't want or can't abide even if it feels risky to do so or may hurt their feelings also when i recognize a new or evolving need desire challenge circumstance or limit I must promptly discuss with the people who might be affected or able to help. I will try to handle these discussions gently and compassionately, and I trust that no matter how they respond, I will be okay. Aggie's 13th rule is a rule of mind. 14. There has to be good stuff. If a relationship gets to be all work or stress with little or no fun, sweetness or comfort, and if this seems unlikely to change, I should probably leave. Aggie's 14th rule is a rule of mind. Number 15. Breaking up. When an intimate relationship ends, I am willing and able to remain friends with former lovers, partners, and I prefer that. It is easier when a breakup is neutral, gentle, and amicable before problems grow, intractable, or resentments accumulate. I am willing to initiate a breakup or scale back because I see major fundamental incompatibilities and lack of chemistry. Even if I really like that lover very much, because I'd much rather lose someone as a lover than as a friend. However, when a significant or long-standing relationship of mine ends contentiously or suddenly, rather than gently and amicably, if you truly hope to remain, my friend will both need to own up to each other about our respective roles in the breakup. Personally, I can't transition to friendship without such reconciliation. Aggie's 15th rule is a rule of mine. Well, okay, I'm going to finish strong. i make sure I follow my own rules. First of all, I distinguish myself between more significant and more casual relationships. For casual relationships, play partners, case rule, or new dating, friends, benefits, duty calls, etc. Some of these rules don't apply as much, such as needing to establish, trust, and ongoing direct communication with their partners. For me, if a relationship feels more casual, that means I'm not very emotionally invested in it. So I probably would not be very hurt, at least for not for very long. If it were to end suddenly. I would mean my i would be hurt because I can be very emotionally invested and be casual. I can honor our thoughts, our feelings, our states of mind, our states of heart without the serious monogamous relationship dynamic. I have. I have less at stake in casual connections, so I have lower expectations for them. This helps me enjoy more casual connections I do greatly enjoy them. Aki keeps speaking my heart. Woo! They're wonderful guys on their own right and often really hot, hot, hot. I'm feeling hot, hot, hot. That said, I don't tend to take as... Wait, this person, Aki says, that said, I don't, I don't tend to take as lovers, people I don't consider friends or at least potential friends. That would be me. All my loves and friends matter to me, that's me too. I don't consider any of them disposable or unimportant regardless of the nature, length, or depth of our connection. Yes, Aggie, thank you for speaking up for me. The big trick for me is to stay aware of how I'm feeling, especially when they're starting to feel more emotionally invested in someone, especially vulnerable to them. I've been around the block a few times. You know what my earliest flames of love or commitment or lust look like and feel like. That's when I need to knuckle down and do my own due diligence. I also lay my cards on the table about my deep feelings. Similarly, but so I think a more casual partner might be starting to give me the case of a deeper feelings of commitment. We also need to talk about that. They're going to spend obliquely worded me at that hint at abiding love or a shared future. Need to figure out how compatible we might really be. Yeah, those conversations are scary, awkward, and unromantic and risky. They can end a budding relationship and they need to be handled with care. But I've learned that it's better for me to feel that fear and do it anyway. As I've read before, I found, it, I found it, it's better to quote up spoils and dates for clear conversation than to leave obvious potential landlines unexamined. Just because people have strong feelings for each other or stunning sexual chemistry doesn't mean they'd be good or fair to each other in a significant or even ongoing casual intimate relationship. In fact, when people aren't really compatible with lovers or partners, slamming love and passion only makes it worse for everyone at all. The common, The common social narrative talks about love like it and lust like it's the weather or a force of nature beyond your control, something that just happens to people out of the blue sorry but in my experience that's not how it works if you're sufficiently self-aware to communicate well with others about your feelings and needs and i am you can usually tell when you're starting to feel like your heart is on the line with someone Or when they're starting to get emotionally invested in you personally i come to consider this part of being a grown-up one-on-one if a promising relationship ends not looking like a good place if a promising the relationship ends up not looking like a good way to invest lots of my love, lust, time, and attention because we are probably not compatible, I don't need to break up. Usually, I'm happy to keep things going on a lighter level and not worry about whether it will quote unquote work out, so I'm not see significant incompatibilities and lack of chemistry for an ongoing cash connection such as the willingness to. Suddenly switch to treating me as a non intimate acquaintance when your friends show up because you're ashamed or conflicted about our relationship. That's the beauty of not riding the standard relationship escalator. As long as it's good enough for everyone involved, that's fine. Scaling back an existing, committed, and best relationship have been substantial with substantial and difficulties to develop or emerge over time is a lot harder, if I've done it. Four years after our divorce, my former. Okay. Aggie's talking about Aggie's self. When Aggie says this, for 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 years after our divorce, my former spouse was one of my closest friends and confidants. Uh, I had the luxury of never having a divorce or breakup because I was never in a committed never happened and will be. Woo! No slide on Aggie. I'm just really glad that I decided early not to be in a committed relationship i don't have a fear of divorce i'm just saying the beauty of being single is i don't know what it's like to have a separation or divorce either hey if i can see clearly that the best choice is to break up or to do so early even though that can really truly suck ass especially if that means breaking the heart of someone i really care about there's always, always risk relationships, except there will always be some heartbreak in my future. Oh, uh, not for me. Because we're casual. There's no such thing as, you know, romantic heartbreak if you're casual. But I've lived through enough of it to know that heartbreak is survivable. You can thrive, when, you can thrive after heartbreak, even this doesn't. I've had a wonderful large network of good friends as well as a lot of. I have a wonderful large network of good friends as well as a lot of resilience and coping skills and management skills. Those all describe me well. My autonomy and independence are what allow me to dare to love and lust despite the risk. I just don't take foolish risks even for really, really hot, wonderful lovers. Underpinning it all, I don't absolutely need to have any significant intimate relationships at all. I truly am fine and happy alone with my friends. I would say for me, I do have a need for significant intimate relationships. I'm just not needy and clingy about it. It's not idol worship for me. And I, I truly am fine and happy on my own with my friends. I feel that. For me, sexually and romantically intimate friendships are ultimately optional. Yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah. For me, too. They're a very important option to me, and I definitely rather have them. i probably me, me, too. I'd probably be disappointed if I were never to have another one. Me, too. And I never treat my partners as disposable, not even casual partners. But I simply don't need to be in a relationship order to have a good life. I have many healthy ways to meet my emotional and physical needs being grounded in this experience helps helps make me more fearless in love and lust i'm not perfect following my own rules but i just keep trying because they tend to be good for me for the people being involved in my life they they've evolved over time will tend to evolve in each relationship i told themselves to see where there is room for flexibility where i need to draw a line I'm willing to grow and change even when that happens through mistakes when I do stuff, when I do shit, I know I fucking shouldn't. If you're a solo person, what rules or standards do you have to get themselves? <laughs> what the hell kind of rules or standards are good, bad, and great areas? You need to know what your real standards are. So, no one is needlessly pissed off, alright? So, yes. Everything Aggie says are... my personal rules and even with the whole make sure i follow my own rules all those words are true for me every word that Aggie wrote personally applies to me are personally true for me so now you know all my rules for solo policy all right Wow, February 2014, Harriet Paulson. Uh Harriet Paulson is a stripping editor to the Australian women's website, mamamia.com.au. This is the last article, though. Seven things I want my son to know about porn. I would say not just men, women too, non binary persons, plus genderless people too. Yes. Seven things I want everybody to know about porn, right? Originally published from IMMia.com.au Australia's largest independent women's website and cross posted it here with their permission. Note from everyday feminism. We want to be clear that not all pornography fits into this critique. We wanna be clear that not all pornography fits into this critique. We feel this open letter is directed toward the mainstream pornography industry. To my darling son, I would say to my darling child, wherever you are, gender and sexual diversity, okay? I know this is not a conversation any child wants to have with their mom at any age. So I'm going to let you off the hook, sort of. By writing you this letter, I'm going to share. I'm going to spare you from having a face-to-face conversation with me about sex, and more specifically about porn. But it's a conversation you must have, nonetheless, because I would be failing in my videos as a parent, guy, and person if I did not share the following information with you information that has the power to impact greatly upon your future sex life and relationships so listen carefully this is important first of all i know you've watched porn probably a lot of it i struggled with this at first nobody wants to imagine a child watching strangers have having crazy sex but i've come to accept the world is different now from the moment we gave you access to a smartphone and your own computer is inevitable that you see porn this makes me sad but not for the reason you might think there's nothing wrong with sex and there's nothing wrong with being interested in it for me this is not a moral question. I'm upset because I think that watching porn has the potential to affect your own sexual experiences in a really negative way, and it's not just me, this is a pretty fact. Okay, since it's this mainstream porn, it's gonna come off heteronormative. It's mainstream porn is usually heteronormative. So that's why what I'm about to read to you fits that, unfortunately. Men who watch a lot of porn have trouble enjoying real sex with real women. Not all men. Just some of them. And I don't want you to be that guy. Not for yourself and not for your partners. I truly wish you and the generation could have been free to embark on your sex lives without all the hardcore, soulless, sexist imagery of porn. I wish you could all have had the chance to explore it organically with all the surprises girls' needs and spills without expectations or preconceptions. That's the way it used to be back in your olden days. Back in ye olden days, okay. <laughs> For us, sex was a wonderful, sometimes awkward experience of discovery. Lots of fumbling and fumbling, working it out as you went along. Today, though, by the time you and your friends have sex, you'll almost certainly have seen hundreds of hours of porn stars going at it in many, many different ways. This will be the visual wallpaper in your mind as you explore your own sexuality, and that's truly unfortunate. I understand that the porn genie, I understand that the porn genie can't be put back in the bottle. Your generation is a product of our time, We you're all in the same boat, so I guess you'll all figure it out. However, there are a few important things you need to know. I don't think anyone else is going to tell you these things, so here they are. Remember this. 1. Porn is not real sex. Most of what you see online is commercially produced sex. There These are people having sex for money. It's their job. Just like models and advertisements aren't representative of what regular people look like and Call of Duty, it's representative of actual war. Neither is porn the same as sex. 2. Do not compare yourself to men you see in porn. Male porn stars are chosen for their giant penises and their ability to maintain erection for a really long time. Sometimes they use drugs like Viagra the this. other times the video is edited to make it look like one continuous sex section when it's not. They are also usually always hairless and without pubic hair. This is for the express purpose of close-ups, not because all women prefer hairless men. Do not compare your partners to women you see in porn. This may seem obvious, but I need to spell it out in detail. Female porn stars usually have fake boobs that are bigger and rounder than her natural body type and which point to the ceiling, no matter what position she's in. And which point to the ceiling, no matter what position she's in. Regular boobs or regular titties, don't look or move like that. Hey, some women call their breast boobs, sometimes. down. Some women call their breast titties, thumbs down. Some women call their breasts, breasts, and some don't. Just saying. Often women in porn have also had surgery on their vaginas to make them look neat. Some women say pussies, some women say clips, some women say vulvas, some women say vaginas. Just like some guys who say dicks or cocks. Hey, some guys should say penises. Some guys have other names for the genitals. Women have names for the genitals. Some genderless, non-binary, and MC square plus purpose have, have na- name for their genitalia too. Some will say, I don't want I don't even see that genitality. Hey, it's your parameter. Vagina surgery, it exists. So the vaginas that you see in porn look very different from real-life vaginas, which are more which are much more diverse in appearance. These are all there are all sorts of other things female you know porn stars do to alter the appearance of their genitals. Everything from lasering off their pubic hair to bleaching their anuses. Yes, I know, you really don't want to be discussing anal bleaching with your mom, but here we are, and it's up and it's for your own good. You need to know that there's nothing remotely natural about the bodies you see in most porn. Four, women in porn are faking it. Female porn stars are paid to look like they enjoy everything, all of it, no matter how uncomfortable, awkward, embarrassing. Or painful. These women are paid to fake rapture even when they're being degraded or abused, even when they're subject to violence. The more humiliating and dangerous it is, the more they are paid. Think about that for a moment. If you have to pay someone more to do something, it's because they don't want to do it. I would say that the men in porn are faking it too. You have men being degraded and abused and they're paid to fake rapture. You have men who are being subjected to violence. You have men who experience the more humiliating, and dangerous it is the, m- the more men are paid hey that happens to men too you have men who are paid to look like they enjoy everything all of it no matter how uncomfortable awkward embarrassing or painful it's for them that's why you must never think that the if you have to pay someone more to do something it's because they don't want to do it think about that for a moment that's why you must never think that the female responses being porn are in any way indicative of the way real women respond to the same things hey i could say it this way that's why you must never think that the male responses to porn are in any way indicative of the way real men respond to the same things. And I would say penile surgery exists too, because you know you have men, often men, men in porn also have had surgery on their penises to make them look neat. You have, I would say, dicks and cocks don't look or look like that. Male porn usually have. stay a lot of them work out sometimes too much, so they can look bigger and, and more toned and more muscular than the natural body type of men. And which and which and it and it comes to the penises now, which point to the ceiling no matter what position he's in. Do not have to pay your part into the men you see in porn too. So, so, the penises that you see in porn look very different from real life penises which are much more diverse in appearance. And there are all sorts of th- other things. Male porn do also alter the appearance of their genitals. They laser off their pubic hair too, and they too bleach their anuses. Hey, it's the truth. You have, and that, this is for the express purpose of close not because all men prefer hairless women. So, hey, that, that's true too, man. And I'll say this. This is a proven fact. Women who watch a lot of porn are trouble join real sex with real men. And I don't want to make this out of it, because everything I'm saying does apply to genderless people, LGBTQI plus people, non-binary persons too. Just saying. All right. Number five, you don't want a partner who will fake her enjoyment. Real women will generally take a lot longer to warm up than the women you see in porn who are paid to be theatrical, whose political pleasure is almost always an act. Okay. Let's apply this to the men now. You don't want to partner with fake as enjoyment. Real men will generally take a lot longer, too, to warm up things than men you see in porn who are paid to be theatrical, who quote-unquote, almost always an actor. And again, everything I'm saying about pornography applies to genderless people, LGBTQI plus people, and non-binary persons, Okay. Six porn sex is not indicated with mainstream female taste and male taste. Within a loving, consensual sexual relationship, there are no right or wrongs, different strokes different folks. That's and let's take it a step further. Within a respectful, consensual sexual relationship, that's not romantic. There are no right or rights or wrongs, different strokes different folks. But there are some things that porn portrays is enjoyable for all women and all men. And in fact. Many women and many men are not okay with him. Coming on their faces one and sex another. You have women who yes, men who, who don't like go-jobs. And you have men who don't like Jackhammer sex. That that that's true too, man. Did you know that female porn stars pay twice as much to have anal sex as they are for vaginal sex? Now you do. And I also asked this question. Did you know that a lot of male porn stars... They're paid to... Have the riskiest amount of sex. Taboo type of sex. Not criminal. Just taboo type of sex. They're paid more to do that than the just the standard penis and vagina sex. If you know that they're paid more to do that, now you do too. And remember when I said about women being paid more for certain types of sex, it means the porn starts need extra incentive. Uh, that's that is also true for men in the porn world as well. Just saying. And the same goes for spanking, hair pulling, any kind of rough treatment. Just because you the porn don't of why in real life always ask for Never miss- Never make the mistake of thinking that a woman or man took something just because you saw it in porn or because the last woman or man you slept with will like with. And never make the mistake of thinking that a woman or man took something just because you saw it in porn or because the last woman or man you slept with liked it. And again, everything I'm saying applies to genderless non-binary and LGBTQ plus persons too because those people are part of the porn acting world. Well, that's why I keep saying that, about belonging. Last number seven, porn is made by men for men. This means what you see is usually what men want to do, not what women enjoy. There are some cases that that means what you see is usually what women want to do, not what men enjoy. because that's a part of the mainstream world, too. It's just not very widely noticed and talked about. It's almost impossible to speak in absolute foods here because sexual tastes are highly individual, let's compare foreign food. There are certain foods which have limited fan base, say brains and brussels sprouts. Sure there are some people who generally enjoy eating those foods that are good for them, no no judgment. But these people are not indicative of the mainstream majority. Now imagine if every cooking program on TV featured these two ingredients in every meal that was cooked. It would be weird, right? But if you watch a lot of cooking shows, you'd be easily put to believe that everyone loves brains and Brussels sprouts. Everyone all the time in capital letters. They don't porn like that. By making things like anal sex, double, and triple penetration come on women's faces, standard, in most porn, you could easily be misled into thinking every woman like those things. not uh um, Don't get me wrong. There's nothing with coming on people's faces. There's nothing wrong with anal sex. There's nothing wrong with double and pull penetration. There's nothing wrong with spanking, hair pulling, any kind of rough treatment, as long as it's uh, humane and ethical. My favorite, two of my favorite words. And there's nothing wrong with anal sex, of course. I said that again. Um. There's nothing wrong with being hairless. There's nothing wrong with being hairy. Um. There's nothing wrong with Small penises, average penises, and above average penises. There's nothing wrong with big boobs, little boobs, medium sized boobs. There's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with crazy sex. Um, there's nothing wrong with getting paid to have sex, whether it's porn or prostitution or any other sex industry shop. Um, that's between enthusiastics and adults only. Um, there's nothing wrong with Viagra. Uh, there's nothing wrong with penis surgery, nothing wrong with vagina surgery, nothing wrong with gen- genitals, genitalia surgery. Uh, there's nothing wrong with hardcore porn. Nothing wrong with the hardcore Um, some, For some people, I must admit, porn sex is their real sex. Some people. Some people can leave that out. Some people, what what's done on cameras, how their bedroom life and other sex stuff life is like. Some people, um, there's nothing wrong with vaginal sex. None wrong. But also. There are things happening in porn that um a lot of men don't like. The pretty sure there's a lot of men who don't like deep throating that don't like gangbangs that don't like um group sex, so Don't be easily misled to think every man likes those things. Nah, oh, hey. There's nothing wrong with gang bangs and group sex and Detroit. Nothing wrong with those things. It's just not, not everybody's into those things. Some people are. Think of them as the brains and Brussels sprouts of sex and acquired taste, loved by some, loathed by many. Or it could be loathed by some and loved by many too. Hey, hey, both are true. So always ask your guests before you try to serve them up. I think I probably give you enough to think about it at this point. Now I want you to share this letter with your friends. Put it on Facebook or another social media set other social media guy. You don't have to. Oh, and when I told you I was writing this letter Oh, when I told you I was writing this letter, you asked if I can include a video at the end. So here it is, warning, it's rude. It's a YouTube video. Love, mom, exercise, sex. If you have kids, are you planning on talking to them about porn? How do you go about talking to kids about porn or similar topics? So, not all mainstream pornography is problematic. There's plenty of mainstream pornography that is good. So, we do not want to abolish the mainstream pornography industry. We want to reform the mainstream pornography industry because mainstream pornography industry has rights because they're humans. I want mainstream knocking industry as a whole to have human rights, the right to health, the right to privacy. There are certain things and, you know, like real names or financial information or addresses that they don't want given out, you know, where they live. So I think the mainstream knocking industry has a right to privacy, a right to health, uh, labor rights, and sex workers' rights, economic, social, culture rights, and equal rights, and equity rights. So, those are the things I want to highlight in the nation's industry. And besides, I'm gonna say this in closing now, I'll never talk about this again by myself. If I repeat myself, it'll be with guests only, all right? I want to be a global, mainstream pornography icon.